0: All right, if you brought your Bible, why don't you stand with me for a second, say with me, this is my Bible, I am what it says I am, I have what it says I have, I can do what it says I can do, today I'll be taught the word of God, I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. So good to have you here today to worship, fellowship together. We'll talk some more on transformation. Your future is not determined by your past. Hallelujah. And yesterday ended last night. Hallelujah. You don't want to live in the past. Amen. Too many times people are living you're living on yesterday. And you find a lot of people that live with regrets. Everybody has made mistakes. Everybody has had failures. Everybody could have had, can have things in their life I wish I would have. But you know folks, that's 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 in the past. Now you've got today. How much time do you have yet? Well, we don't know. So you want to make the most of today. You want to make the most of the time that you have right now, especially for Jesus. Amen? Romans 5, verse 8 and 10 says that God demonstrated his love for us. So he demonstrates his love. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's that's amazing because uh, we love it when people's lives are all cleaned up and everybody looks pretty. (laughs) But God loves us when we're all dirty and messy. So while we were sinners, God demonstrated his love, sending Jesus to the cross of Calvary. And I think of that even when people were so, they were cursing him and everything, and yet uh, uh, he, he didn't speak judgment. Lord, don't lay this not to their, you know, the sin against them. Forgive them of their sins You know, he died for us. And when we were enemies, that's you and I, we were sinners, we were enemies. We were reconciled to God through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, saved by his resurrected life. So we want to be careful, you know, as we think, if we're going to reach the world, then we have to look at everybody with the eyes of Jesus. Amen? We have to look at people how he sees them. Now, we've said that word last week, prejudice. Prejudice means to prejudge something. And the definition there is a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. So people get prejudice toward other people. And people draw or build walls between themselves and other people. And the only way we're going to reach anybody is if we don't build walls and we're willing to, so to speak, cross the street to be a blessing to somebody else. If we're willing to be the first one to smile or the first one to extend a handshake, it's amazing how it can disarm people. Even when we're overseas many times, we're in places where most of the time there are very few white people. And so obviously we stand out then. And so uh, in South India, we never see another white person hardly, you know, so we stand out. But people then wonder, of course, why are we there? And so we get a lot of stares and looks, you know, just sober looks. But what we do is we smile or we wave and it disarms people. And then they, oh, they smile and they wave and you get to know people a little bit. There are people, you could think they're, they're terrible people. People in other religions sometimes, or people that might be terrorists and so forth. People that, like uh, Hindus and, and Muslims, have their own ministers. You can prejudge people and think, oh, you know, that person is a terrible person, and, and never try to reach out to them. Or you could just still try to be friends and try to reach out to people. Jesus was a friendly man. Jesus was friendly. Jesus made friends with sinners. And so the fact that he loved sinners, you and I, died for us, while we were enemies, he did that, shows his heart. So for us, in turn, it is on us to bridge all these gaps, racial gaps, worldly gaps, cultural gaps, things like that. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, God, see, God made this judgment, is that you're worthy to be saved. So I'm going to give my son for you, in spite of how you are, I'm judging the fact I'm going to present him for your life, that you might be saved. So Second Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, the goal of his love is not just liberation, but transformation. And we talked last week about liberation, which is good, but transformation is better yet. So when we become in Christ, we become a new creation. And old things pass away, and all things become new. Now, when we pray a prayer, a life prayer, like Pastor Jeannie just prayed, we can pray a life prayer, we can be forgiven of our sins, hallelujah, experience that and that liberation, but then he wants to transform us to be the people he's called us to be. People that are in his image, in the image of Jesus Christ. Incidentally, Jesus was not a white man. Very American thing, folks. <laughs> all the pictures of Jesus, they're all of a white man. Jesus was not a white man. He was from the Middle East. The Bible is not a white book. It's a cultural book. So many people in our culture make it a white book. It's not a white book. He's not a white Jesus. It's a cultural thing. He's from the Middle East. So we have to get away from what we're at, the stereotypes, and put ourselves in what the shoes of the Bible to see the way the Bible presents things. Amen? So the goal of the love of Jesus wasn't just that we'd be forgiven, but that we would be created now in His image, a new creation, begin to walk and to live like Him. So when Christ was crucified, you know, the devil thinking he won, but he sends back the Holy Ghost, and now it starts initially, now you've got 120 people that are like Him. And then it spreads to thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are like Jesus. Multiplication. Incidentally, persecution has never worked. It just causes the church to spread quicker. (laughs) People are willing. You know, in America, we don't face persecution. But in other countries, they do. And people are willing to lay down their life for Jesus. And if someone dies, someone else is willing to step in the pulpit the next week and proclaim the word of God. And more people get excited. All right, Luke chapter 17. Just, to, just I'm going to hit on some stories here, right? Luke chapter 17 is the story of the ten lepers. And you know the story where ten lepers met Jesus. They're standing afar off. They lift up their voices. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus sees them. He says, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, I think they saw there's new skin. You know where we've gone and... The rural areas of South India, we've prayed, especially there's one little boy that comes year after year who has leprosy. There's leprosy over all his whole body. And uh, part of his fingers are eaten off different things. And uh, so we prayed for this little boy. And in some areas, he's getting new skin and so forth. It's really a blessing. Uh, And there's medicine for it. It's just that they're in a place they can't get the medicine. So anyway, as they go, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned to Jesus and glorified him with a loud voice. I mean, we can go on to the next verses there if there's some. But anyway, one of them comes back. But wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing? Leprosy is a terrible disease because it just eats. It eats flesh. It eats bone. It eats, it eats things off your body. And so, so uh, uh, if you're walking and all of a sudden you see you're cleansed, you'd be pretty amazed. Amen, right? The protocol, of course, was was to Jesus. He said, go show yourself to the priest. The protocol is that the priest would verify that you were healed. You know, if there's a healing, and we've had many people be prayed for, and through the years, many people have healed of a lot of things. But the protocol, we receive it by faith, but the real test of it is that also a doctor will verify it. Amen. Amen? Amen? Because if it's true, it's true. Doctors, doctors you know, can then run the test again and say, well, I don't, I don't know what happened, but you don't have it anymore. So that's the verification. That was the verification here. You showed yourself to the priest. The priest would verify that you had leprosy no more. Now you could reenter society again and be part of the community population. So ten of them are healed. Ten of them experienced a liberation. But it's only one of them that returns... Only one of them that comes back and gives thanks to Jesus, who is the Samaritan, which in then, remember now those days again, there's a separation. So there's prejudice. Incidentally, ra- racism, prejudice, isn't an American thing. It's a world thing. It's demonic. It's demonic. It's all over the world. It's a devil thing. So, so we have to understand where these things come from. Anything that divides people is the devil. Right, Anything that divides people. Jesus is coming to save people and bring them together. Division comes from the devil. But it says, Jesus said, weren't ten cleansed? Weren't ten liberated? Where's the other nine? And the guy says, well, they're not here anymore. They took off. But this one gave glory to God. And Jesus said, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So one guy was experienced transformation. Not just, not just healed, But now he receives something that's even better yet. Healing is great, but folks, salvation is better. Amen. Forgiveness of sins is better yet. Because you can be healed and die and still go to hell. So I love healing, but the whole goal of the healing should be the dinner bell to get saved to come to Jesus. Amen. That should be the point. Come to Jesus Christ. So one returns. One gives glory to God. One is transformed by the power of God. Now, Luke chapter 7, showing the characteristics of Jesus, Luke chapter 7 says that Jesus was a friend to sinners, the Son of Man. And notice he's a friend of tax collectors. Tax collectors were hated. They were corrupt. They stole from people and so forth. People hated him. But Jesus was a friend of them and of the sinners. And Jesus says, wisdom is justified by all her children. In other words, look at the fruit. Look at the fruit that's happening. These people, their lives are being changed. Even Zacchaeus said, hey, I'm going to give half my stuff to the poor. I, he was a transformed man. You know, and obviously before this, money had his heart. Now he's released in Jesus, and, and he's giving away the things, the very things that he served before. So, so Jesus was a friend of sinners, now, if you're around somebody that you that irritates you, people can turn on the news and they can get be upset by what they hear about in Washington and hear about different places and so forth. And they get irritated and they get angry and so forth. And yet you have to stop and think how does Jesus how does Jesus care about these people? And so the, the news alert the news alert is this Sinners are going to sin. Sinners are going to sin. Find somebody who's lost in their sin and so forth. Folks, let's face it, you have many people many people in evangelical churches, you know, to them the gospel is being the Republican Party. I got news for you, it's not the Republican Party. Amen. You know, there's a lot of evangelical Christians, they they just hate Democrats. And they'll never reach a Democrat because of their attitude, because of their prejudice. Amen. Because of the walls that they put up. Very sad. A lot of, you know, the Christian world, You know they take stands against homosexuality. And they'll never reach a homosexual because they have hate in their heart. Because they put up walls. They're not friendly. That's very true. We talk about abortion and so forth and how terrible abortion is. It is terrible and so forth. And yet, and yet some girl gets pregnant and then Christians say, Oh, boy, that's too bad. They shouldn't have done that. But I'm not going to help them. Oh yeah, okay, well then what's that person supposed to do? See, a lot of the church, a lot of the church has their walls built up. They have their preconceived ideas and so forth against people and against groups and things like that. And they'll never reach them. They'll never reach them until they be like Jesus. Who was a friend, to tax collectors and sinners and the downcasts and the whores and everybody else. Not justifying their sin, but you'll never help someone. They'll never pray a life prayer until you get close enough to share Jesus with them. Amen. Greg, that's always a good revelation the life prayer. You prayed with three more people this week to get saved. God bless you. Out on the ranch, three more people got saved. Every week, sharing Jesus. Every week, planting the seeds. If I can't get close enough to, to be friendly to somebody, because people act like, well, if I'm friendly, that shouldn't, I shouldn't be friendly to that person. No, I should be friendly to that person. The reason Bob Kerr came to church here years ago, who was the town drunk, who was demonized and all those things, and, and uh, a lot of things, he had no family left. But Bob came here because we spent 10 years loving him. Ten years of loving him. Ten years of taking his phone calls. It's like, like our kids would pick up the phone when we lived in Volga and, and say, Daddy, it's that mean man again, you know, on the phone. You know, or sitting, I'd be at Bob's place and he's swinging his arms in the room and I'm finding a place off in the corner as I, while I'm sharing with him. Because he's saying, don't you see those Demons! And I said, I'm sure they're there. I don't see them, but I'm sure they're there. <laughs> but one day he got saved. And after that day, he never missed a service again. Never again. Not any service. Was here, be it early, first thing in the morning, night, Wednesday nights, all the time. So thankful to be saved. But the only way Bob got saved is through love. Right? How's someone going to get saved? Through love. Because if you don't care about someone, in other words, God loves every person you see. God already has loved them. And Jesus has already given his life for them. So anybody you see in the natural, on TV, anything, Jesus already gave his life for them. Well, how are they going to be reached, liberated, transformed, unless somebody risks their life to be a friend? You know a lot of that you know a lot of that comes down to like we talked a few weeks ago, just saying, Hey, uh, how's it going? And just listening to them. A lot of Christians they want to come with their message. I want to tell you you're a sinner, you need to get saved. Well, you're probably you probably didn't get through the door there. But if we sit down and talk with people, what's going on? What's going on in your life? What's happening in your life? Then all of a sudden you can start getting below the surface and hearing What comes out of their heart. What comes out of their heart might be anger, might be anger towards you because they prejudged you. (laughs) Thinking, well, you're this way, this way, because you go to this church. But the only thing that will change that thinking or attitude is is you listening to them. Listening, talking. So Jesus was a friend of sinners. He reached out to sinners. Even the lepers and so forth, Jesus, Jesus touched them, blessed them, and so forth. I mean, it's just tremendous. Let's, go, let's look at a few more. I've got a few more examples here. But Let's go to uh, Joshua chapter 6 a second. Joshua chapter 6 talks about a lady named Rahab. Rahab and her father's household, all that she had, they lived in Israel to, the day, to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Interesting enough. I mean, so Joshua, you know, the two sent the two spies to spy Jericho. Jericho's got all its walls and so forth. And Rahab lives on top of a wall. And it's interesting that the two men go to a horse house. Don't you find that interesting? I mean, when you look through the Bible, sometimes you just got to stop and think, huh, I wonder what they're thinking. Why did they go to the harlot's house? You know? Why did they pick her out? Why did she pick them out? See, sometimes we think, we think if we get around certain things, well, I'm going to be contaminated. I can't, can't be around there, but you contaminated. You know, God will work anywhere He can if we give Him a chance. But we have to give Him a chance. These two guys, somehow they found Rahab. She happened to be a harlot. That was her business. But at some point she must have said, Oh, I know who you guys are. You can stay at my house, you know, and they said we're spying out the land. They said, You can stay at my house, though. And they go and they stay at her house. And of course they spied they spied out Jericho, they stay at her house, and of course, you know, she hid them, and then they went back, and they said, put down the scarlet, the rope that you let us down, put that down so we know this is your place. Make sure your whole family's here when we come back, because everybody else is going to be killed. And so she got liberated. Amen? Now, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, verse 31. It's interesting, nicknames, how nicknames follow people. <laughs> but he, now, we're, now we're many years later, but she's still the harlot. Rahab the harlot. <laughs> By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Now it's talking about her faith. We go to James chapter 2. It talks about her faith again. Then it says a person is justified by works, not by faith alone. In other words, you can say, I have faith. But if you don't do anything, your faith should have actions, right? In other words, if you say you love Jesus, well, you should demonstrate you love Jesus. If you should say I'm a worshiper, then there should be some signs that you're a worshiper. So likewise was not Rahab the harlot, also justified by works, when she received the messenger, sent them out another way. In other words, she demonstrated her faith that I believe, I believe what you're saying, I believe who your God is, and I'm going to help you, because I believe. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So here's Rahab, and so we see it in Joshua, and we see it in Hebrews, the faith chapter, and we see it in James, and so forth. So here's a person, here's a person that did not have a great future, based on, first of all, she's, she's living, let's put it this way, living with the enemy, <laughs> and her occupation is not an approved occupation, and so, so her life, uh, we don't know how old she was, but she wasn't that old, and so her life was not, her future did not look good. But her future changed the day that she met the spies. Now, folks, people's future can change the day that they meet you. The day that they meet you and they sit down and they want to talk or visit with you. See, through campus and so Pastor Jeannie's met a lot of people in different things. We use media. People watch online and we bless you today from Africa Asia, India, we bless you in Jesus' name. We're glad you're tuning in. Church people, tuning in. glad you're tuning in. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. But we've had people watch us that are Hindus. And maybe you're Hindu today and watching us. But we bless you in Jesus' name. We've had people, Muslims, watching us. And we bless you in the name of Jesus. And we just want you to know how much God cares about your life. Paid a price for your life. And he's as close as the mention of his name. And all you have to do is, even in your home, you can say, Jesus. He'll give you a revelation of himself. Just say, Jesus. He'll give you a revelation. We've reached out to people. And when we reach out to them, we try to to do what? We try to bridge gaps. We try to find out what they're thinking and so forth, their backgrounds. Sometimes we've met on campus. Sometimes we've met... I met in a student union before and we meet in a private, obscure place and Muslim students and they'll talk in very low tones because they're inquiring about Jesus Christ. In fact, one of them posted online, he had studied in many places in the world and he posted something online that had a question, that he questioned Islam and his friends uh, got back to him and said, now we can kill you. Because you can never question Islam. You can never question the prophet. But he's meeting with me privately, talking in low tones. Because he wants to know more. How are we going to reach people? How are we going to reach people when, when the girl comes to the office? Years ago, she comes to the office and she's a leader of the Gay and Lesbian League on campus. And she rants for 20 minutes about... Her thinking and how bad, like our churches are, and things like that. And when pretty soon she said, Aren't you going to say anything? I said, What do you want me to say? Well, she said, I expected you to be upset, I expected you to be angry, so forth. I said, oh, I can understand that. A lot of people would be. I said, But I'm not. I said, Now I don't approve of your lifestyle. But I don't approve of a boy and a girl sleeping together either. You know, so, you know, we know Christians do, they put categories for sins. You know, so this person, this person's a lesbian. Oh, that's a lesbian. That's our that's big sin. Oh, well, this person over here has been lying <laughs> or cheating or whatever. Oh, yeah, oh that's too bad. But they come to church, oh, that's not too bad. Sin is sin. I've learned cancer is cancer. I've learned you don't want cancer cells in your body any place. I've learned that because cancer spreads. So Christians have their categories, how they treat people, their prejudices. Oh, I'm not going to talk to them because they're this way. And uh, how are you? Are you? Is your life so perfect? Newsflash! I still need a savior. Still need a Savior. Still need someone. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. If we're going to see people transformed, then we have to reach them. Paul said, I made myself, you know, to be a friend to everybody. To reach out to everybody. Look at Matthew 1. Here's the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And, and Rahab has a son named Boaz. Rahab, the harlot, gets married in Israel to a man named Salmon, and she has a son named Boaz. And Boaz has a son named Obed by Ruth, who was also not an Israelite. And Obed begets Jesse, who beget David. And all this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So in the middle of the genealogy, not just here, there's several things in the genealogy, but this person in particular, in the middle of the genealogy of someone who's a whore, Who got liberated and transformed by the power of God. I love that. I love that. That shows how good God is. The genealogy of Jesus was not this perfect little thing of perfect people and people think I can never be good enough. No, it's not. It's full of people who had past things, histories. That if we would have been part of the genealogy, we thought, well, we're not going to put that person in there. There ought to be somebody. How, how else would that work? There had to be somebody else. We would have tried to kind of whitewash it a little bit. Make it clean. Make it acceptable. Too many churches try to be, in a sense, like, oh, we're this, this perfect thing. There is no perfect church. No perfect pastors. No perfect groups of people. We're people that have been loved by God and we recognize it. It's through the love of Jesus. Amen. And consequently, what do we want to do? Jesus said, "If you've received, freely, if you've received, freely, give it away." Well, who am I going to give it away to? Give it away to somebody who needs it, Amen. right? The worse, probably the better. <laughs> give it away to somebody who needs it. Bob, Bob gets saved. This guy, Bob, again, some of you might remember him. But he rents this tiny little place in town, and his landlord was a construction man who owned a company in town who was just a crass person who could cuss better than anybody. You know, people say he could cuss the paint off the wall. He probably could have. He was not friendly. He was not nice. And this was Bob's landlord. But Bob has been on the other side of the fence. And Bob's got his pocket full of tracks. And he says, you need Jesus. And he'd go toe-to-toe with this guy. (laughs) Toe-to-toe, face-to-face. And guess what? Bob dies. This guy's at the funeral. And then somehow (laughs) a genie. He goes into the, 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 the nursing home and he comes to Christ. He begins to serve the Lord. His family one day goes to see him, and he says, Well, where's Dad? They're all upset, and they said, Well, I don't know this young lady took him out. He's here at the church at a pot blessing. He's having fun. He's fellowshipping and things like that. And Paul gets saved. (laughs) Amazing. And when Paul dies, the family said, uh, They don't come here, but Reverend, uh, could we have the funeral to your church? He kind of liked your church. And said, Sure, yeah, we'll have the funeral. Now the place is full of contractors, full of contractors, Uh, you know, city people, all kinds of people, Place is full because they knew this guy named Paul. And I got up to share about what happened in Paul's life that Paul got saved. And they're all like, what? Cussing, mean, crass, you know, they they couldn't comprehend. But if you don't reach out to people, what's going to happen? You'll never reach them. You'll never reach someone who you demonize. If you think that person, oh, that bad person, so you'll have arms, you'll never reach him. So I come home from the funeral. We clean up, and so we had a lot of people. We had to move chairs, set up tables, all kinds of people. Come home from the funeral. It's late. I'm tired. I pull into the garage at the house. I just get out of the car, got my Bible, and a big pickup pulls up. Waved guy looks at me, you know, and I didn't know him. And I walked over and he said, get in. I said, um, well, just a minute, let me set my Bible in the house, alright? So I, I walk in, send my Bible down, and I come back. And I get in the pickup and I can smell booze. He's got a drink there, so he's just drinking. Like, it looked like water but it's just straight vodka. Drinking and so forth. And he says, let's go for a ride. And I thought, oh boy. I put my seatbelt down I ratcheted in tight. You know, now I'm with the drunk driver and so forth. And He says, I was at that funeral. He's a contractor. He's a contractor. He says, I was at that funeral. I never knew Paul like that. I said, I know. But he got saved. And he said, what you said today made a lot of sense. Talked about, see, shouldn't the gospel be personalized? He said it made a lot of sense. And we drove around and Showed me houses he built and property owned and all these things like that. And I was <laughs> hoping the trip would get over sooner. And we got back to the house. And he's, and what happens is the guy said, I'm not happy. He's got all these things. He's got money, but he's not happy. And I said, what you need... So this is my time now. I listened to him for half an hour, not my time. I said, what you need is Jesus. That's what you need. And he said, I think you're right. <laughs> so shared Jesus and so forth, and then prayed for him. And he prayed the life prayer and so forth. Getting close enough to people, not always fun, not always easy, maybe not always safe, but just the same, that's how we're going to reach people. Amen? Let me do another one quick. John 3. You know the story, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. I love this. Jesus will meet people where they're at. People kind of act like, well, if they want Jesus, they can come over to church. Well, folks, most people aren't going to come to church. <laughs> They're just not going to do that. When I was on campus, I wasn't going to go to any church. I was lost. But you know what? God did visit me in the bar. <laughs> you know, so people witnessed to me and I got saved in the bar. But Nicodemus is there. Now, he's a ruler, so he's a prominent person. He's a Pharisee, he's a prominent Jew. And he comes to Jesus by night, and Jesus receives him. So it's like making an appointment. Pastor, can I meet you at night? And sure. Yeah, you want to talk? Let's, let's meet at night. You know? Or can I meet you here or there? Yeah, I'll meet you. Okay. So, and, he, and he was surprised because he says no one can do these signs unless, he's, unless God is with him. So Nicodemus, or Nicodemus has been observing Jesus, sees his life, and realizes, wow, that guy's got the power of God on him. And, of course, you know, Jesus then told him, you must be born again. That's a message for all Jews, incidentally. Amen? Jews still need to receive the Messiah. They were God's people. I understand that, but they still need to be born again. You must be born again. All right, John 7. Jesus, of course, talked about the, the cry. He says, any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. So he talked about out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This Holy Spirit. Talked about the Holy Spirit and so forth. But then John 7, uh, 48 and 50, then it says, the Pharisee says, If any of the rulers or Pharisees believed on him, but Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, said, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? Now, what was Nicodemus doing here? He's sticking out his neck before his peers to defend Jesus. What I'm saying is there's something working in his heart. So people can look at all the Pharisees, oh, all those Pharisees, oh, they're just just all lost, all those people, you know. People look at people of the church, oh, they're all lost. I've got got news for you. There are believers everywhere. There are believers everywhere. Remember, even Naaman said to Elisha, he said, even Naaman said, said, can you forgive me because my master goes into the house of Rimmon and I have to lead him in there, you know, he leans on me, can you forgive me? And he said, no problem. In other words, I'm not going in there to worship him now, but I still have to help my master. Amen. One of the Muslim kids said to me, they said, but listen, listen, I, I have to go to the mosque and pray because my parents mandate it and I have to be there to pray. So how could, I, how could I believe in Jesus or follow Jesus? I said, well, that's not hard. I said, you can go in the mosque and pray to Jesus. And he'll show up for you. You can do that right there. You can go there and pray and so forth. You're not praying. These aren't like public prayers now we're talking about. But you can go in there and say, thank you, Jesus. You can go in there and pray to Jesus right in the mosque. Folks, God's a big God. He's he's, he's, he's working in powerful ways. So Matthew 19 then, just... just, John 19, excuse me. So Nicodemus, then when Joseph Arimathea, now we know Joseph came, remember he took the body of Jesus, claimed the body of Jesus and so forth, to, to bury the body and so forth. But notice that Nicodemus is there also, who first came to Jesus by night, Nicodemus, came with Joseph of Arimathea, bringing a mixture of myrrhs, myrrh, and aloes, about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it up and prepared it and so forth. So what do, you see, what do you see in Nicodemus? You see transformation. You see he was willing to stand up for Jesus Christ. He was willing to put his neck out there. And you see a guy who is transformed. So folks, we don't want to allow our past to, to make that that's our future automatically. God has a good plan for everybody when they turn to him. Okay, write down Mary Magdalene. Write down Mary Magdalene a second. Let me quick go through a couple of scriptures. Luke chapter 8, there's a lady called Mary Magdalene. And it says that Jesus was bringing the glad tidings. The 12 were with him. And there's a certain woman healed of evil spirits, evil spirits and infirmities, called Mary, called Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven demons. So, so they actually counted them. Different demons identified themselves out, and then out, seven times, okay? So this lady who, who had a lifestyle, we don't know her lifestyle, but obviously obviously not a good lifestyle and so forth, and was uh, in need of help from the Lord. So, so Mary Magdalene, out of whom, cast seven devils. Now Matthew 27 then says that Mary Magdalene, was at the cross. Many women followed Jesus, ministered to him, looking down from afar, among whom was Mary Magdalene. All right? So she was at the cross of Jesus. You know, when the disciples actually, it's the women at the cross, the disciples actually, they're farther away. But the women are there, and so Mary Mary Magdalene is there. Go back farther in Matthew 27, and shows that Mary... uh, that when this body, Jesus' body was wrapped and laid in the tomb, this, this is Joseph and Nicodemus now who did that. We know because of context of Scripture. Wrapped the body, laid it in the tomb, and so forth. And Mary Magdalene was there. So she's at the tomb. Mary Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Right? We don't know, we don't know the context again, but we know just not a good lifestyle. But here she is, and the Bible identifies her there. So she's at the cross and she's at the tomb. Now we go to to Matthew or Mark uh, 16. Mark 16, and we see when Jesus arose the first day of the week, he appears first, not to John, not to Peter, not to his mother, not to some other perfect person and so forth. No, he appears first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Isn't that interesting? Uh, uh, And she went and told them that it had been the Jesus, and they mourned and wept. So she went, and she tells the disciples. So Jesus appears first, and and it's highlighting some things. Jesus, the Bible, the Holy Spirit's highlighting things, the Bible, like, I'm going to transform lives that were not pretty, that were ugly, probably very disgraceful, but I'm going to transform lives as examples to the church, as trophies of my grace. Of what I can do if you let me do it. But it would never happen unless Jesus got close to her. So here Jesus appears first, and it's highlighted in the Bible, first to Mary Magdalene. Why was that? Probably in part because she was there also that third day morning. Amen. John 20 then, John 20 it says, when Jesus, the same thing in the same area. Jesus said, why are you weeping? And she said, well, where have you taken him? And let me know, and I'll take him away. And Jesus said, Mary. And she turned to him and said, Rabboni, which is just a teacher. So Jesus Jesus turns to him, Is there any more to that? Uh, uh, and then Jesus, or she says, go to my brother. And Jesus says, go to my brother and tell him, I'm ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, that he had spoken these things to her. Powerful. Think about it. Here's this lady out of whom went seven devils. You know how the church is in the United States today. Just Let's use the United States. Someone gets saved and they think, well, let's uh, let's wait. uh, Prove yourself for the next six years and we'll see if you can do anything. If you want to serve or something. And it's like you don't see that in the Bible. You see people, if their lives are transformed, Jesus said, okay, let's use you. It's like the Gadarene who said, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, "Uh, no, you go home and tell your family. Go home and tell your family about what I've done. I'm sure Mary Magdalene was in the the upper room with 120. The women were there as well, 120. And I love the fact, folks, we tell this all over the world, why I have Jeannie in the platform with me all over the world, is because God wants to use women. In many places, they're like a second-class citizen, but it was to women that he appeared to first and that brought the message. Can you say amen? amen? So you want to be open to what God wants to do. I'm going to finish with this, what I said last week, Ephesians 2.10. You are his workmanship, and he doesn't make junk. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not finished with you yet. Not finished with any of us yet, where he's... It's done when when we're done. When we breathe our last and it's done. But until then, he's not finished with us. He wants to use us. Amen? Wants to use us. So you, excuse me, you are his workmanship. You're created for good things. Amen. Amen. And then Philippians 1.6, we can be confident that he's begun a good work in us. He'll perform it. So I'm confident that though I can see... So many things the Lord's done, I'm confident that he's not done with me that there's good stuff ahead. Amen. Amen? Hey, there's no retirement in the Bible. How many of you know that? <laughs> no retirement from serving God. No retirement from living for, for Christ. Amen. But you want to be about your father's business so that when he returns, if you're alive, he's going to find you working. Amen. He's going to find you about his business, doing his things for his glory. Reaching out to people. Amen? Amen. Now, I think he wants to use us in a greater way than we've ever thought. Of. Why don't you just take your hands a second? And I can't do this on my own, nor can you on your own, but we can plug into him. Just like you plug into an outlet, we can plug into Jesus, and we can be equipped with power and anointing to do things beyond what we've ever thought. So, Father, today we receive this power. We receive even wisdom from the Holy Spirit to know things that we should say or not to say. We pray that we would see open doors. We would pray that we would see people like you see people, and you would give us opportunities. We ask today for opportunities, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray this for myself, but every person here, for opportunities. Say opportunities. We ask for opportunities, Lord, to shine for you, to bless somebody else, to reach out to somebody else. Somebody maybe we've never met, or somebody that we know but we've not liked, but now we're going to choose to love them like you would love them. Jesus, we thank you for this power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for equipping people here in this place. And we thank you, Lord, for bringing transformation. Continue in our lives, but Lord, people that we come in contact with, we thank you for transformation. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this. In the name of Jesus. (laughs) Oh, you're so good, Lord. You're so good, Lord. Hallelujah. You're so good, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We give you praise for this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God.